This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning, I am very happy to be speaking with Jessica Cavanaugh, who, if I get this correctly, Jessica, you are a playwright and a screenwriter and a lead actress in a play that is opening this week weekend in Los Angeles called Self-Injurious Behavior. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm sure we're going to learn more about uh, the other aspects of who you are and and the play itself as we talk, but welcome to the show, and I thank you for giving us some of your time today to talk about this this new venture in Los Angeles. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. So so on the show, I have the great pleasure of talking to a large variety of people, all of whom are doing interesting and unique and, and really impactful things in the field um, as it relates to autism in, in various aspects. So I've interviewed researchers, educators, parents, individuals on the spectrum, people running businesses that employ individuals with autism, just you name it. And, and they've, you know, authors, many people have been on this show and I've learned a lot from talking with all of them. And so today, I was hoping we could start by me just asking you to talk a little bit about yourself. I just kind of gave a little snippet about what we're going to talk about today specifically. But who are you? Tell us a little bit about your background professionally and personally. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, So I am an actor writer living in Dallas, Texas. I've been there for um, close to 20 years. Pardon me. And I, um, I write for Funimation Entertainment. I write the English uh, version of Japanese anime, basically for the English audience. So oh, cool. I turn, yeah, so I, I don't do the translation. I'm not that smart. They give, me the, <laughs> they give me the English translation, and I have to turn it into dialogue that sounds, you know, workable and that matches the mouth movements and stuff. So that's my day job. But I've been an actor on stage um, since I was a small child, and um, that's really my heart. Um, And, you know, in 2012, I went through a really difficult thing with having to admit my son to a group home. And I came to a point where I, I, I needed to exercise that experience from my body and from my mind and heart in order to deal with it. And so I started writing about it. And that's where this play came from. Hmm. And how old is your son today? He will be 20 in October. Wow. Well, happy early birthday. Um, <laughs> that's exciting. So we're talking about seven years ago, you made that incredibly challenging and very personal decision to um, have him move into a residential placement, which is, uh, or a, a group home, as you said, correct? Yes. All right. When he was, so he was a young teen. Yes. All right. So, yeah, and, he was 12, yeah, at the time. So that is the basis fundamentally for this play. You, you, did you start writing it as a play or did you start writing it as a personal sort of diary, cathartic experience? I started writing it as a play, um, but, it, but it was weird. I started writing it as a play not knowing if it would ever be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and more just I needed to, I don't know, write it out. Um, and plays were what I knew. But yeah, so that's how I started it. But I, at the same time, as I wrote it, I was like, I don't know if this will ever see the light of day. It's probably just for me. And I didn't show anyone for a little while. And then I started showing people um, and just saying, you know, here, here's this 
scene. Uh, what do you think? I don't know what this is. And people would say, no, I think it's a play. I think it's a play that people should see. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was worried that it was too specific um, mm-hmm. to my situation and that no one would be able to relate or, you know, things that would just be, wouldn't be universal enough to present to people. But the opposite has ended up being true, that something about the specificity of it, people are able to see themselves in the situation. And so... Um, yeah, it's just worked out well. <laughs> Interesting. So when you say you started showing it to people, did you choose to show it to people who you who either knew you and your son personally, so knew the actual people that, that it was based on, or were somehow otherwise connected to the autism community, or did you show it to colleagues who were other professionals in the theater? In the theater, in the theater professionals, yeah, that's who I showed it to. Okay. It's because I was basically like, is this just for me, or is this something worth pursuing for this purpose, you know? Is this a story that people want to hear? Mm-hmm. And and people basically were like, I think it's a story people want to hear because it's a story we haven't heard before. I had friends who would read the script and be like, wait, like people who had known me for a decade who were like, this is your life? Because I just kept so much to myself, and mm-hmm. people just didn't realize, you know? So it was, it was a lot of both. They're close friends, but they were colleagues that I respected um, in the theater. Mm-hmm. And you said something interesting before about how it, the specificity of it made it actually so that it was something that most people could see themselves in. And I think that, that that raises an interesting point because a lot of times I think we might think that the more general you keep things or topics of maybe a book or a play or a song in terms of lyrics, mm-hmm. the more people can relate to it. But you're kind of saying the opposite happened, that, that there was it was so specific that, that maybe it was more of a, a mirror to a lot of us. Um, and I... I've, course have yet to see it i'm not i didn't get to see it in dallas last year and um i'm not out in la but i would think that sometimes it's that specificity that makes you realize that there is a connection and i'm always interested in ways that we can help so more people feel connected to members of the autism community because for so long there's been such stigma around it so is that is has that become a goal of yours through this process oh absolutely yeah i mean like the the benefit of, of just raising awareness. I mean, you know, it's like we hear that term and we become deaf to it, you know, but, but seriously, like people know about autism, but they don't really know. They don't really know what, what that looks like for a lot of people, what that means. And so just being able to, to show this side of life has, is one of my, is one of the best things to come from it. People who come up to me afterwards and they're like, well, I'm definitely going to be different to moms in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, you know? Right. <laughs> um, stuff, stuff like that is, is some of the most rewarding, there's some of the most rewarding conversations that I have. Right. And then then, that's what blows yeah. my mind as far as the specificity thing because I would think, you know, that's what they were watching. But then there's something about, there's the theme of, you know, guilt and feeling like you failed and what, and how do you forgive yourself that, that is kind of the, main, the central theme of the play for the central character that's based on my, myself. How does a parent wrap their head around forgiving themselves if they do have to admit their child into, you know, somewhere like where we had to um, take Elijah, where he's thrived and it's been the best thing we've ever done, but we couldn't know that at the time. Right. And so, yeah, it, it's, 
I wouldn't have thought many people could relate to that or find a way to relate to that, but actually most people can find a way to relate to, wow, I've let down this person, or wow, I had to, I was a caretaker for my parents when they had Alzheimer's, or mm. um, or just I feel guilty about such and such, fill in the blank, and I don't know how to face this person or myself in the mirror, and it seems to have been able to translate in that way, and mm. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, it seems like an important st- a step in the right direction, certainly, um, in terms of the, that, again, that connectivity. The One of the things you just said about um, finding ways to relate that aren't specific to autism, I think you you talked about guilt and that decision, you know, in terms of a sense of failure, but also, um, do you touch... In in the in the piece, do you touch on what I hear from many families, especially those coming through Anderson's doors? And we are a residential program for children and adults, and so we work every day with families who are in the midst of making these challenging um, and again very personal decisions. What often I hear is that also there's been a strong and sometimes years long isolation. Yes, and an yes. isolation that can change sometimes, and, and surprisingly so. Sometimes people say that they feel less isolated once they've made that decision because then they're part of a different type of community. I don't know if that happened for you, but... It didn't at the time, but that's because I kept myself isolated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and the group and the place where Elijah, where he is, was four and a half hours away from where I was, and... And I was a very, I was a person who um, closed myself off instead of reaching out to the other parents who had been in the same position. I avoided group chat rooms. I avoided all that stuff, um, which wasn't smart, you know. And I think a lot of people do that. You know, they just brace up and they, they fortify and they hide in their houses and they don't want to talk about it. And I did that just for a long time. I don't recommend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, and so the play ended up becoming my outlet. Instead of finding support in these communities, I did this. Have you, Have you? can I ask if you found support now? Do, has that changed for you? I have, I have support mm-hmm. coming out my eyeballs now, for sure. I have not connected in with, with other parents in the same situation. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't, except for a few at the at you know literal people who are parents of sons of my kid there mm-hmm. um, that I've met now over the years. But we haven't become tight. We haven't, mm-hmm. which is just really interesting, isn't it? Um, and our and our boys are like brothers. They live, in, you know, in the same mm-hmm. home and house since they were eleven. Yeah. But um, I don't know, man. I tend to. I still do the fortify thing. Yeah, I I know this is getting personal. I just think that, it, you know, in terms of our listeners, um, some of the folks that listen to this show are people who are probably contemplating making this choice Mm -hmm. and and decision. And and for some, it feels like a choice. For some, it really feels like something that they sort of realize that they have to do and they never, you know, it never feels like something that was really presented to them as a choice. It's sort of a we're here at this point. It's a precipice. It's a cliff. You know, yes. we just hope we that's, make the right decision. That's, 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 um, yeah. So that's why I'm asking some some more deeply personal kind of things. But I also, um, and uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I have some more kind of practical theater type questions to ask you since you have so many different roles in this production. So we're going to come back in just a minute and talk about that and the title and what to expect and where people can, um, can find it. So this is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bo. And we'll be right back. 
If you live, work, or frequently visit the Hudson Valley, you've probably passed by the sign for Anderson Center for Autism countless times. Have you ever wondered what our award-winning educational and residential program is all about? Well, let me shed some light. Ours is a place where evidence-based practices marry creative solutions, where students with autism learn how to communicate using whatever modality works best for them, where they learn independent living and vocational skills in nurturing environments, where their families enjoy visits full of special moments, where professionals come from all corners of the globe to obtain high-level training, where staff build rewarding careers, and where people develop lifelong connections. Learn more about our work optimizing the quality of life for people with autism by visiting us online at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Or schedule a tour by calling us today at 845-889-4034. 845-889-4034. Welcome back to 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And I'm speaking today with Jessica Cavanaugh, who, and we're talking about her new play, uh, or maybe not so new, but new to LA, opening this weekend called Self-Injurious Behavior, which um, Jessica, I just want to start by thanking you for being so open and sharing um, what you shared in the first half of the show about the fact that this is based on your life and um, the life of your son, who is now almost 20 and living in a residential uh, program several hours away from you. And as you said, thriving, which is really good to hear. And, and I'm, ha- I'm happy for you that that has gone in that direction. Towards the end of the show, I think we'll come back to, to some of that more personal stuff. But I do have a question um, about the fact that you, you wrote this play, correct? Yes. Sort of yes. as, as your way it started as processing and dealing with the decision that you'd made to, to, place, to place Elijah. And then... Now it's in production. You've you've done it out in Dallas. It went really, really well. You've got, you know, accolades for it and, and people are resonating with, with it. But you wrote it. You're also the lead actress and it's based on your life and it's dealing with some really intense, very personal topics. Um, what is it like to, to do all that? I mean, where do you go for debrief or to escape a little bit? And, and what is it like to play yourself going through a period of your life that sounds like it was extremely emotionally challenging and draining? And um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? Like, what would you how would you answer that? Um, yeah, it's tricky, and I think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's it's ended up being incredibly therapeutic, and the and the way to find the, it's taken me a while, um, and and it took me a lot of the writing process to figure out how I was going to do this in a healthy way mm-hmm. um, that protected myself and and that also told the story in a true way. Um, and and the way that it ended up working for me was to write it. None of the characters are named Jessica. None of them are named Elijah. None of them, um, you know, I have one sister in real life um, in the play. I have two. The situations are different enough that I'm able to kind of treat it like most other roles that I would play. Definitely there are some scenes that are super close to my life, verbatim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And the rest, I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's so hard to... It's a weird thing that I'm doing, but it, it, thankfully, and I didn't know, maybe it would have been, it might have been like the 
stupidest decision in the world, and then it just happens to have worked out. Like, basically, we were like, let's try it. Let's see if I'm able to do it. Let's see if I can find a way in that isn't um, damaging to my soul and my spirit. Right. And basically, we we were just able, my director, Marianne Galloway, was incredibly sensitive all the time. We would work a scene, and she would say, she would say I can see this is, this is rough. Let's, let's not work this anymore today. Let's go to this. Um, and move on, and and just eventually we found a way to work through things, and for me to to live in the role without it being damaging. And it's it's been tricky, but it's been a really fascinating process. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating to me, and I'm 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 not supposed to be speechless, but that is really I, I can imagine the weight of that. But but from where it started, with it being sort of a cathartic writing of of your feelings and your experiences, I guess my hope for you, just person to person, would be that. The um, the execution of the play itself is also cathartic and 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 healthy, it, yeah. Because it certainly seems to be making an impact on on the audiences. What kind of impact is it having on on e- either of these or both? If you're comfortable, um, family members. You mentioned you have a sister, and and or uh, your colleagues who were working on on it with you, and and the um, the young actor who plays uh, your son in self injurious mm-hmm. behavior. I mean, how is it? What what do you what is this? What is the feedback? back and impact you're seeing there it's been amazing so one of the characters is well basically both of the sister characters are kind of based on my sister um broken into two characters um but like not exactly and and my sister is an actor and she is playing one of the roles oh wow and yeah talk about meta but again it's you know, it could have been the worst idea ever, and we knew this. <laughs> we were like, this could be the best or worst thing ever. Um, but it's been the best. Mm. It's, it's been incredible, and I think it's been healing for her, too. You know, like, there's, the, it's not just about my son being admitted. Our mother passed away during this exact same time, and so it was kind of a perfect storm wow. in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, she's been remarkably easygoing about the whole process, considering there are things that that are based on things that we said and hard conversations that we had um, or maybe needed to have. Um, Thankfully, both of us are pretty healthy people and have dealt with all of those issues. It's been many years now. And um, so we're able to kind of look back and be like, we're portraying us as we were then. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. And. Yeah, and and to kind of honor that and to know that that's not where we are now. I was very angry with my mother, for instance, right after she died, because there were a lot of undealt-with issues, even with regards to Elijah. And, you know, we had to wade through that together. And, um, yeah, so but it's it's <laughs> now it's just been amazing having her here and, and having her in the role and having that support on stage is incredible and lends just kind of a new depth to some of the scenes that, you know, we've had two runs now, one in Dallas and one in, in New York. And um, it just brought a, a freshness to it for me that has been really amazing. Mm-hmm. And and my colleagues that you mentioned, um, you know, obviously it's it's brought me a lot closer to some people because <laughs> it's like, hey, here's my entire life. Right. And I think it's um, taught them um, a lot about about life on the spectrum too and then now they've become very vocal advocates for for these issues and so it's you know it really it's just been this kind of huge blessing and i don't really use that word a whole lot but it's yeah. been a blessing all the way around that's great to hear um and thank you for for sharing that i think i've always been a strong believer in in you know when you take something that you're passionate about um and you use it 
to also elevate a voice um, for people who may not have a strong one themselves individually, or you just combine something that you're passionate about with um, a community that you want to support. That's usually the way you find the best outcome. So you're talking about how, you know, this might've been a crazy idea or something that wasn't going to work. And then it sort of suddenly did. I keep seeing just from various people that I, again, I get to talk to and meet in my work and this seems to be an emerging um an emerging trend that i'm thrilled to see um and it could be anything from like the other day i was talking to two gentlemen who uh run a screen printing and embroidery business in long island um, and they employ people with autism they didn't really come from that background either of those backgrounds but they're really good at at running business and they through younger experiences really developed a passion for working with people with autism and now they have this i just got to go see it it's it's an amazing facility so again totally different type of of work but that same idea of just stop you know i think we're starting as a community hopefully saying we're stopping saying i have to be you know, an expert in X, you know, instructional method or something. It's more about being cognizant of what you can do with your message when you're doing what you love to do. So you're, you love to be on stage. You said that you've, you've been on stage since you were young. And, um, and I think when the beginning of the interview, you said that's, that's your heart. So actually now that I've taught you for a little while, it makes perfect sense to me because your son is also your heart. And so your yeah, hearts are yeah. together. And the fact that your sister is joining you on stage is, is quite, um, I don't know how many families can pull that off, but I think that that's really impressive. <laughs> I know we're freaking crazy. Um, yeah, thank God it worked. <laughs> so we only have a couple more minutes in our interview. I want to make sure that if, if there's any information about where to get tickets or where you're, where it's, mm-hmm. it can, you know, people can see it, what the future plans are for it after the, the run in LA. Can you share any of that? information absolutely yeah well first of all it runs at theater 68 in north hollywood and you can purchase tickets at www.sibsibsolventersbehavioronstage.com um and so that's all the ticket links are there and we open this friday september 6th um but but september 5th uh we actually have an invited well it's an open preview for anyone who works with um, the autism community or uh, uh, differently able uh, people um, and anyone who works uh, is a special ed teacher, anyone who is a caregiver, anyone who has a child, you know, basically anyone who touches the autism community is invited to come to a free preview. And then we run September 6th through the 28th, Thursday, I'm sorry, Friday, Saturdays and Sundays at Theater 68. Three, theater 68 and SIB on stage, self-injurious or um, SIB on stage. I should note real quick that self-injurious behavior is, um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to ask you to describe why, because I think people should just see the, see the play and understand it. But, um, but for those of us uh, who are members of the autism community in a variety of ways, I think we all understand that you are bringing something forward to the public that is often and has often been one of the many things that families and I think especially parents of children with um, who are severely challenged by autism um, are are 
just devastated by um, and and often feel as though they really can't talk about it. So I think it's um, it's a provocative title and probably um, purposeful. And um, and so I, I applaud you for for putting it out there with our about one minute. Are there future plans? Do you have hopes after L.A. to bring this to another city? Um, do you, you know, is that already in the works or are you is it sort of see how this goes? Um, it's kind of see how this goes. I mean, yes, we all have hopes that it'll uh, that it'll have a life beyond uh, this run, but I'm not sure what that looks like. If it looks like a movie treatment, if it looks like another a run in New York, um, open, excited about all any and all possibilities. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're just kind of hoping to run it here and to see how it goes and see what might come from it. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, I don't know. It's a break a leg. I'm bad at this stuff, but <laughs> but I will tell you that, like I said, I think that for for the autism community and for the public good, it's it sounds like something that would be great if you're in the area or able to get out um, to um, North Hollywood to, what did you say, Theater 68? Theater 68. Theater right. 68. So it's running Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays for most of the month of September. Sounds like a a really important thing to go see. And Jessica Cavanaugh, thank you so much for being on 1 in 59 today and telling us about your play, Self-Injurious Behavior. And I just want to wish you the best um, for the play and also for the future and for Elijah's Elijah's future. And thank you for sharing all that you did today. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do as well. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Uh, This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 